The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And so glad you could be with us tonight on Winning Ponies. Hope we bring you another informative and winning show. I think I've got the guests to help you on that, Mark. Uh, you know it's spring, not necessarily when you see the first robin redbreast, but when you see the first overnight come out for Keeneland. And we're going to have G.D. Hieronymus, who's been synonymous with Keeneland for decades, and he's the director of broadcast services, has won multiple awards with them, but he's also quite a bit of a handicapper. But we're mainly going to use him for some of the innovative things that Keeneland's doing. Keeneland, again, a track that could probably just open up its gates and, and hit you with a frying pan and you'd be back the next day. Uh, they continue to uh, broaden their appeal to uh, race fans of all shape, sizes, ages, and occupations. So we'll be talking with GD early on. And then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to go out to the West Coast. Steve Anderson uh, covers the uh, the horses out there for the Daily Racing Forum as part of their, their great team. And, of course, uh, we've got uh, both the uh, Santa Anita Derby and the Santa Anita Oaks. So we're going to rely on Steve for that. He also told me in a phone call about an hour ago that he's got some late-breaking news that will probably affect uh, some horses going to the Kentucky Derby. Also with Steve, we're going to handicap uh, the Wood Memorial that uh, is going to pit two undefeated horses together in Vijack and Verrazano. And then uh, at Keeneland, the Central Back Bank Ashland, a grade one, this will uh, affect the Kentucky Oaks, has brought together an overflow field of unbelievably talented three-year-old fillies. So uh, we'll go back and look at the results of last week. Of course, uh, Michael Baychak, uh, the uh, NTRA DRF champion from two years ago, was our guest handicapper and uh, did a pretty good job and uh, brought home some, um, some money horses, some surprising payouts for the horses whose odds went off at. Well, let's start the show off with some good news. Zenyatta fold a Tappet Colt this week. Uh, it was a, kind of a chestnut, but it had a little bit of the uh, the blaze, kind of similar to hers, not totally separated. Uh, this again was it was at Lane's End. They say the foal was 145 pounds. Uh, he uh, was standing on his own uh, shortly after birth and uh, nursing. And uh, the strange thing is, Zenyatta had the foal on April Fool's Day. Her birthday. She is now nine years old. More good news out of the uh, Lexington area and concerning breeding, and that is we've been updating you on this story every week. Rachel Alexandra has returned home 
to Stone Street Farm. That is great news. Uh, she just had a remarkable uh, recuperation following abdominal surgery in mid-February. Uh, she had uh, all kinds of get well cards decorated on her st- uh, stall when she came back, and uh, she seems to be doing very well. What they'll do is they'll put her in uh, a small round tent so she can get outside and have minimal exercise. You don't want her stressing herself. And then day by day, they'll expand it until hopefully she can finally just get back uh, to her uh, uh, own paddock and of course stone street's been doing a great job at updating everybody on her progress and uh, uh they have uh, nothing but great things to say about uh, the team at root and riddle that took care of her and they're going to continue to monitor so good news we got zenyatta having a foal and rachel alexandra is back all right uh We've now we've got we lost a, a couple of horses. Uh, Slough City Slough just today, uh, the Grade One winner and, and, and sire Lava Man. Uh, he was put down due to uh, old age. He was uh, 29 years old. Of course, he was by the legendary Seattle Slough and out of the Grade One winning Berkeley Price Mare Weber City Miss. I remember watching her uh, run up at Saratoga. And uh, he developed into a pretty much of a top handicap horse of his own, the trainer, D. Wayne Lucas. He captured four stakes, three of them graded in 1988, and finished second by a neck to Ali Sheba in a great race. It was the grade one Meadowlands Cup handicap. Uh, he went to a stud career with uh, at the governor's place, Burton Jones, a Airdrie Farm, which is where he spent his entire career. And once again, uh, very much like Indian Charlie, uh, Slough City Slough came in at a modest price. A lot of people got to breed to him. He threw an honest, hard-knocking horse. I, I think uh, dollar for dollar, uh, he was one of the best horses uh, you, you could have you bred to. And uh, his horses have earned more than $46 million. Uh, he does have 13 registered two-year-olds in 2013, of course, People will remember Lava Man, since he's still around, as uh, being one of his best foals who ended up winning $5.2 million. Then we had a horse that was a derby runner-up that uh, passed away this week at the age of 32. So you know he was well taken care of. Horse uh, close to my heart because I've got to watch him win the cradle stakes at River Downs. Coax me Chad. You may recall that he was the horse that, that was running down swale with a Flurry at the late in the 1984 Kentucky Derby, but just quite didn't get there. Uh, Coax me, Chad, uh, went to stud, and uh, he, mostly in, in Ohio, a modest success. Uh, but the, he ended up, Wally Burris was connected. To, he was an assistant trainer with Ronnie Warren, who had Coax me, Chad. He kept an eye on the horse his whole career. When he found out he was no longer being used for stud duty, offered to bring him back to his farm where uh, he... Uh, pretty much uh, took care of him the rest of his life. So, Coach Me Chad, you will be missed. All right, an eye-popping performance over in the Dubai World Cup. I hope you got a chance to see it. If not, make sure you get it off uh, Google iTunes or something along those lines. And it was Animal Kingdom. Now, here's a horse that's now won the Kentucky Derby and now won the Dubai World Cup. He's won over $8 million of quite a feat. Now, what do you do from here? Well, it looks like he's going to finish out his career going to to try to win a race at Ascot. He's leaving for England. Uh, He's going to be able to uh, be let down there a little bit. His uh, regular morning rider is accompanying him to stables in Lambourne. 
And uh, original, originally it was said he wants, they want to go out with a win at Ascot, and then he was going to go to stud in Australia with an agreement they had with Aerofield Stud. Well, just this afternoon, some more breaking news. It looks like Aerofield and Team Valor have formed a partnership with Darley, and Darley has purchased a chunk of Animal Kingdom. So, luckily for us, he is going to be able to stand part of his career here in the U.S., and then he will shuttle down to Australia. So he'll be he'll be making the uh, transatlantic flight there and back. Um, but if you got a chance to see Animal Kingdom's uh, victory, he was just awesome. Um, the, a lot of the other horses uh, didn't do too well. Royal Delta led most of the race, uh, but then she ended up uh, fading uh, towards the end. And again, uh, they say that as the weather changed over there, at night, it really got sticky and heavy, and Billy Mott says that uh, she came out of the race uh, no worse for the wear, uh, but uh, she just uh, it, it weighed on her, and he'll be bringing her back, but she, she's fine. Uh, then it looks like uh, we've got uh, lines of battle. could be the, the next big daddy long legs <laughs> because uh, they are saying that uh, he won uh, the UAE Derby over there, and uh, his, Coolmore is saying that uh, he's probably won enough points to get in the Kentucky Derby, and they expect to see him over here. It, it hasn't worked for Sheikh Mohammed in the past, but it looks like they're going to try that approach to the Kentucky Derby. Pretty much this horse is confirmed. Uh, speaking of the Derby, uh, we had some points changes over the weekend. Right now, top horse is Orb, followed by Revolutionary, Lines of Battle, the horse we just mentioned, will take charge. It's my lucky day. Vijack, Governor Charlie, Black Onyx, Verrazano, and here the ghost. As far as the Kentucky Oaks, unlimited budget, dreaming of Julia, live lively, beholder, rose to gold, flashy gray, midnight lucky, El Gayur, Silcita, who won last week, and Sanine Girl, Bernie Flint's long shot. And if you are going to be down around Keeneland and you're looking for something to do, uh, we've got news from Michael Blowen and our friends at Old Friends Farm. There's going to be something happening, so there won't be any dark day. Something's going to happen every Monday down at Old Friends, so keep an eye on their website. And uh, right now, this Monday... Uh, we know that uh, Rosie Napravnik uh, will be there, Chris McCarron, Craig Perrette, Kent DeSormo, and they'll be greeting visitors and telling their stories. It's, it's open to the public. Start at 2 p.m. Uh, Michael said feel free to bring items to autograph if you want. Uh, again, uh, that is at Georgetown, just outside of Lexington, Old Friends Farm. Georgetown isn't a very big town, so if you can uh, – if you can get there, they've got enough signs taking you right to old friends. So let's take a look now at the races that we uh, that we handicapped last week with uh, Michael Baychak, who was uh, nice enough to join us. Uh, was starting with the Gulfstream Oaks. We really felt that uh, Dreaming of Julia was probably going to improve in that race. Well, improve she did. She ended up winning by, get this, 21 lengths. So if she is not the favorite for the Kentucky Oaks, I don't know who is. Uh, just an, an awesome performance to uh, to turn the, the, the tables. Uh, uh, lively pace, set the pace. 
I live live, he rather set the pace and end up running second by four lengths. Uh, they they were the standouts, but dreaming of Julia, it's going to be very interesting uh, seeing uh, what uh, she is going to do on the three-year-old trail. Then, of course, we had the Bessaloo Stables Florida Derby. And it turned out to be quite the race. Now, in this race, Michael and I settled in on the same two horses. Uh, we, we came up with Orb and It's My Lucky Day, which was not a stretch by any imagination. Uh, but Shanghai Bobby, Bobby was in there and obviously was going to get a lot of action, ended up being the second favorite with the exacta. With Orb and It's My Lucky Day was $23.40. Uh, we hope certainly that you had it. Uh, again, Orb trained by Suge McGahey, was ridden by Johnny V. What kind of decisions is Johnny V going to have coming up to the Triple Crown? He was rated in fifth. He was in hand, went four wide, rallied at the eighth pole, and went by him and won by two and three-quarter lengths. Uh, it's my lucky day. Uh, kind of uh, stalked the pace and uh, ended up a, you know, a, a solid second. The pace, it was set by Merritman, a horse that had never been farther than seven furlongs. Uh, trainer Ron Hess took the blinkers off, and this horse showed a lot of speed and held on to run third and do get some of those valuable Kentucky Derby points. Uh, then we went uh, way down yonder to New Orleans. We will uh, go ladies first uh, with the, the Fairgrounds Oaks, and we had this one too. Uh, here's a filly that's going to be reckoned with, and we'll see what happens when uh, she matches up with Julia. Unlimited budget went off the four to five favorite, won by a length and three quarters after being four wide on both turns, five wide into the stretch. Finally caught up with Flashy Gray, who we thought was the biggest competition. Battled with Flashy Gray and then two cracks with a right hand whip of Javier Castellano and Unlimited budget remained undefeated. She is now five for five. That was at a mile and a sixteenth. Flashy Gray was a solid second, and Bernie Flint's long shot at twenty-four to one. Sanine Girl held on for the third spot, and then uh, a race that we said was going to be a good betting race turned out to be one heck of a race, and that was the Louisiana Derby. Revolutionary uh, again, Javier Castellano. Uh, in, in the saddle, was five wide. Uh, then all of a sudden he took the lead coming into the stretch. Again, you know, Revolutionary has, has been the hot horse, um, one of the many hot horses from the Todd Pletcher barn. And uh, all of a sudden coming up was my loot. And it looked like my loot and Sean Bridgman were going to go by Revolutionary. But Revolutionary, a big, good-looking horse, dug back down and got the job done, paid $6.80 to win. My loot did hold on for the second spot. And a third was a horse that uh, Michael said was a bit of a price at 5-1 to one departing, got the third spot. So, uh, again, revolutionary, an, uh, an orb, two horses that you definitely want to keep an eye on that first Saturday in May. Well, uh, again, we know that spring has sprung because the gates are soon to spring open at the beautiful venue at Keeneland Racecourse. And with us here in just a minute or two is going to be the Director of Broadcast Services, a personal friend, an award winner, G.D. Hieronymus. You're listening to Winning Ponies. You 
flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's up. Tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, an outstanding individual who is going to be Johnny on the spot for the next 16 live days down at Keeneland in Lexington, Kentucky. His name is G.D. Hieronymus. Again, he's an award winner, uh, director of their broadcast services down there. G.D., what I want to know is, how did you enter into the racing day game? Did you come in because you were a, a video guru, or were you involved in another aspect of the sport? I'm not sure that your show has enough time for this story, John, but basically uh, <laughs> I came, came up to UK in 1978, uh, 79, and wor- started working at uh, WLUX TV 18 with Tom Hammond. And my first uh, bluegrass and derby uh, was with Spectacular Bid. And, uh, of course, that kind of set the hook right there and have been in love with the game ever since. Tom Hammond taught me how to read the, read the racing form. And uh, then we formed Hammond Communications and uh, was with them for 19 years. And Nick uh, did some work with him over the years. And I've been now at Keeneland for 13 years. So uh, time sure, certainly gets behind us. But I've had a fantastic opportunity to to, see, to witness so many great champions over the years, from Breeders' Cups to obviously the greatest uh, racetrack and what we think is in, in, in uh, all America is this Keeneland race course. Well, you know, we have listeners world round, and I tell them all that, that whatever they do, they got to put Keeneland on their bucket list. Well, you know, it's amazing. With, with only 16 days of racing, I've been getting the, the, the press releases out of the press box. You, There's going to be something going on every single day down there, it seems. And uh, you've uh, 
just really enhance the program for somebody that, quite frankly, probably doesn't even have to. I always told people Keeneland could open open up the gates, hit people with a frying pan in the face, and you'd set a track mm-hmm. record for attendance the next day. That track is that popular. But instead, you continue to add enhancements and, and innovative ones uh, to, to Keeneland and to the sport of racing. Well, my my primary uh, job at Keeneland is in broadcasting and uh have uh, as you said we're award winning broadcast team there we have a full HD production but it exceeds uh it, it really goes beyond that I'm involved in marketing and the communications department and operations you name it and and that's the way you know that all of us are we we all uh pitch in on, on many different areas and getting on into those uh the the new things that are going on you know, not necessarily new for tomorrow. We have College Scholarship Day where we continue to uh, to have great uh, representation from all the universities around this region. Uh, a lot of students from the uh, Cincinnati, Ohio area come down and get registered. We're giving away $1,000 scholarships tomorrow, and uh, uh, the first 2,000 students that register get uh, free T-shirts and hats. So, and then, uh, then on Saturday, we're, we're kicking off something new called The Hill, which is a tailgating experience. And we've got food trucks lined up. We've got a band lined up. We've got, uh, wagering. Uh, and then even, uh, even what we call our bedologist, which is kind of cool. Uh, just, just to, to teach people, uh, all the intricacies of the game. You know, when you, when you come to Keeneland, Keeneland is, is kind of a first time experience for a lot of people. And we've realized that. So, we want to get these people engaged in the game. Come out and socialize and have a good time, but don't hesitate to to learn a little bit about it and uh, bet a couple of dollars on a horse. So the betologist will certainly uh, engage you and uh, and help you uh, learn how to read a program and uh, what an exact is all about or a daily double. So uh, we're we, we're always uh, thinking, just wanting to wanting to get that next person into the game. Well, uh, on, on that very note, you've got a uh, longtime presence, a uh, well-known uh, individual uh, on national TV and in your TV, in my friend Mike Battaglia. But it looks like you're going to team Mike up with uh, Katie Michelet Gensler this year. That's going to be kind of different, kind of a fresh face and a little bit of a younger women's perspective. Uh, Keeneland has always been kind of a quiet racetrack, as you know, John. We uh, we were hesitant even to bring a track announcer onto the grounds, kind of the racing as as it was meant to be. You know, we expected the the owners and uh, the participants to follow racing uh, because of the, the the colors of the silks of the owners. And we brought in uh, Mike Battaglia a few years ago. Actually, Mike's been there making the odds for quite a while. But when I joined uh, uh, on at Keeneland, we began to introduce Mike uh, to do a, a, a pre-race presentation, and then the stakes race, which was, uh, you know, uh, announcements um, over our PA system. This year for the first time, this spring, uh, we brought Katie along. She's been at Fairgrounds uh, all winter, and that's an, another initiative to get those younger folks engaged in uh, playing at Keeneland and, and understanding a little bit more about betting. And Katie is going to be on uh, every race. Mike and Katie are going to be on every race, uh, giving their expertise, what the horses are looking like in the paddock, uh, their their picks, and uh, and then it's going to be a nice addition to uh, to what we're offering there every single race, and not just a stakes race or at the beginning of the day. 
Also, JD, from what I understand, it's not going to be hard for fans to follow Keeneland Racing uh, via TV, radio, or online this year. Yes. Uh, well, the the best thing is uh, you know you can go to Keeneland dot com and 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 for free uh, watch our live signal all day long uh, HD signal. Uh, again, we, uh, we 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 want to expose the fans to to every element we can, and what we're doing is creating a destination. We want people to feel like they, this is an event that you really have got to get to, and you want to get to. And you, and you hit the nail on the head, John, that you want to put this on your bucket list. You know, we are the Augusta or the uh, the Fenway Park of horse racing. You know, we really want, and people will will realize that. And once you've come. You'll always put that on your travel destination in the spring or the fall. And, and really up in the Ohio, Cincinnati area, we have just a great following of fans that come down and, uh, get engaged in our, in our spring and fall meets. Well, you got fans from everywhere. I know I got family members that travel every single year all the way down from New York to uh, to take in the, uh, the the Keeneland experience. Well, uh, another thing that um, I, I saw today that uh, the Maker's Mark, it looks like if somebody went, I mean, obviously you can see famous horses at Keeneland every day, and you never know when you might be seeing the next champion. But uh, it, it looks like uh, last year's Horse of the Year, Wise Dan, uh, is going to be on display in the uh, Maker's Mark 45, is it called, this year? Maker's Mark, uh, yes. Uh, now, Wise Dan, uh, Charlie Lepresti was at our brunch yesterday, and uh, he's pointing toward this race. And he said that actually, you know, when Wise Dan even came back, uh, from the Breeders' Cup and the championship campaign that, uh, you know, he's been ready ready to go ever since. So he had opportunities to go to Dubai with his horse, but he is really geared up for this meet. And, you know, he's one of our regular guys there. He's got a stable year-round on Rice Road. Uh, you know, the track is open year-round and the training facilities. And a lot of the big stables from uh, from Darley to, uh, to Claiborne Farm, you know, even uh, – you know, a lot of the great horses that, that race around the country uh, stable at Keeneland year-round. And Wise Dan and, and Charlie's Barn is geared to go. And if anything happens there um, that he that he decides not to run in the mile, uh, he's looking at the Ben Ally a little later. But, uh, 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 yes, he's he and, uh, and many others uh, you can see on the track every day at Keeneland. Well, I've got uh, later in the show. I've got uh, Steve Anderson uh, from the, from the Daily Racing Forum, and we're, we're going to be uh, uh, trying our best uh, to break down your Grade One Ashland Stakes on Saturday. I mean, in this day, GD, where you know we've seen many of a top graded race with only a half a dozen horses or so, this race has an also eligible list. Your racing office just does a fantastic job. Uh, ben Huffman and, uh, and our v- Vice President of Racing, Rogers Beasley, they do, do an incredible job of getting uh, great fields in at every level. Uh, the greatest stakes company is unbelievable. Um, it's, you know, as you know, as many fans probably don't know, our, our sales company provides the funding for our stakes program. So any of those monies that we make in our sales goes back into our racing program. So we're essentially returning that money to those horsemen um, and, and through our purse structure. And you're right, the Grade 1 Ashland on Saturday is a spectacular field. Tomorrow we got the Mile and 16th Transylvania Stakes, which is a Grade 3 and a bunch of Grade 3-year-olds in that as well. 
it doesn't stop. You know, every every weekend the the, the greatest stakes continue to come. So uh, uh, yes, you're right. A, a great pro, great racing program, start to finish. Of course, the, uh, the the cornerstone of, of this brief meet is going to be the $750,000 Toyota Bluegrass. I've got to think with this year's point system going to the Derby, you are going to have one heck of a field coming down there to Lexington, Kentucky. I think, it's again, you're going to see the same uh, thing as you're seeing this Saturday. You're going to have a couple of horses on the on the also eligible list that uh, that are going to try to get into this race. Um it, it is a, the the last 100-point opportunity to get into the Derby field. And uh, we do have uh, another great race in the Coolmore-Lexington uh, the next Saturday, uh, but it's not worth as many points. Uh, so uh, I do I, I like the graded, uh, I like the point system that Churchill Downs has put into place. And uh, uh, do, you, do you like that as well, John? Yeah, I do. Uh, except for the uh, exclusion of the Illinois Derby, I really think that it's worked. It's uh, these guys can't keep their horses in the stalls anymore just because they had some early graded money. And I really think, just as the, the the races that we saw last week in Louisiana and Gulfstream, it's made for some highly competitive races. And we're going to see it again uh, this week in, with the uh, Santa Anita Derby and the Wood Memorial. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think it works. Maybe it needs some tweaking. I'm sh- hopefully they'll take a look at it at the end of the year and see if there was a race they missed or not. But uh, either way, I know there's not many races I'm going to miss in the next 16 days. Uh, you'd be uh, looking for my chubby little face down there in the pack, TD. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, when, when you when you mention those those uh, those uh, that point system that's in place, and you look at a horse just e- even listening to the before I got on the air with you, and a horse like Revolutionary that's that's down in uh, that came out of the Louisiana Derby. And you know, you look at that that race and that horse. You know, I'm looking at uh, at Gulfstream's past performances on that Saturday. You know, wondering where Javier is, and it's understandable why he why he went to Louisiana on that horse. Just an incredible horse, or another incredible horse. We're going to get another great two uh, three horses out of uh, the Wood and the San Diego Derby on Saturday, and then Toyota Bluegrass on uh, the following Saturday. It's going to really create uh, a great dynamic field for this year's Derby, and we're really looking forward to it. We we've got a we've got a great lineup already of potential horses going into the Toyota Bluegrass. Well, the whole Keeneland team does a great job, but the one man that puts their face out there for all to see is GD Hieronymus. Thanks so much for spending time with us on Winning Ponies tonight, GD. John, happy to do it. Call anytime. Glad to go on um, my picks. And the uh, the grade uh, three Transylvania on uh, mile and sixteenth on the turf are uh, the numbers uh, six, seven, and nine. So those are the three horses that I like. Hopefully, get out and play it a little bit. Uh, get on KeenelandSelect.com and uh, and sign up, and you can play uh, right from your home and watch watch um, all a lot of great racing from Keeneland. Our listeners love to play horses. That's why they're listeners. That was GD Hieronymus from Keeneland. Happy to have him on. And up next, happy to have on Steve Anderson, who's going to give us the inside look from the West Coast. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john Engelhart. got a tip for us need a tip from us if you want to talk with john or his guests the phone lines are now open toll free at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com now back to winning ponies with john Engelhart. All right, and with me right now is a columnist uh, that I've, I wanted to get on uh, for quite a long time. Uh, a lot of times when I go out to the West Coast, uh, I lean on my friend Jay Privman. I've had Brad Free on, but I do a lot of uh, reading in, in the Daily Racing Forum. They have such a solid team. And uh, Steve Anderson's been a guy I always wanted to get on the show, and I finally got his number and gave him a call, and he said he'd be more than happy to do it. And uh, so with us right now is the Daily Racing Forum's Steve Anderson. Steve, how you doing? Very good. Thank you for having me on this evening. Hey, Steve, uh, I like to always find out how does one get to where they are. I always said the greatest thing in the world is to be able to get paid to work at a racetrack. Uh, it, it's usually a labor of love, but everybody takes a slightly different road to get there. How did you land in your seat? Well, mine started in Dallas in the mid-1980s with interstate trips uh, to the east, to Shreveport, Louisiana, to watch uh, Bossier City, Louisiana, to watch Louisiana Downs and all the way up to Hot Springs to watch uh, the races at Oakland Park and later Remington Park and Rio de Downs in Oklahoma and New Mexico. Because I was based in Dallas when I was growing up, and uh, those were the only tracks we had. Trinity Meadows, which is now defunct, and Lone Star Park, which was built in 96, hadn't come along yet. So in those days, a day at the races was a 400-mile round trip, Louisiana <laughs> Downs. That was our closest track. Wow. Well, obviously, you developed a, a, a love for the game, and I believe you, you actually got into it uh, for a period in, in public relations. Yeah, I worked at uh, Rio Dosa Downs in 1989 as the publicity director, and uh, then took that out to California, where I was based at Los Alamitos for a few years, as well as an editor of a quarter horse magazine. And from there, I joined the Racing Forum in 1994, and I've held that job since uh, uh, April of 1994, so this is my the anniversary of my 19th year. So it's uh, good stuff to be uh, be able to be based in Southern California at Hollywood and Del Mar and uh, and Santa Anita on a year-round basis. 
And, and you've held it well. I, I enjoyed this week uh, reading your story about Kevin Krieger and about a horse we'll be talking about here in a little bit, Beholder. But I got a feeling you've probably got a story you'll be writing as soon as you get off Winning Ponies about uh, something that's going to impact the Santa Anita Derby. I'm going to let you break the story right now. Yeah, the race lost for the ghost this afternoon. The Jerry Hollendorfer gelding who won the Great Two San Felipe Stakes at Santa Anita on March 9th has come out of the race because of, of an injury. Jerry was rather uh, quiet about the nature and the, and, the, uh, uh, and the magnitude of the injury, although it's not believed to be severe, uh, judging from what he said. However, it's going to cost this uh, gelding a chance to run in the Santa Anita Derby and the Kentucky Derby. So this is a big uh, omission from the Santa Anita Derby field, really at the last minute, with just two days before, before the race, to miss here the goats. It probably would have been the second betting choice behind Flashback, the winner of the Robert Lewis Stakes back in uh, February at Santa Anita, and the runner-up uh, with an excuse in the uh, San Felipe. So it looks like Flashback is strengthened as the favorite for the San, uh, for the Santa Anita Derby uh, off the defection of Here the Goats. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, I, I know you get, get to watch the races out there. Again, they're going to be stretching out to a mile and eighth, but did uh, the two standouts – uh, in the San Felipe, uh, Golden Sense and Flashback. Did they hurt each other up on the front end and actually kind of maybe help set it up for Here the Ghost? I really think they did with a three-quarters and 109 and four-fifths. That was a bit quicker than I think anyone had intended those guys to do in their pace. And I think in this race they're going to be a little more cautious. There is the presence of an outsider called Summer Exclusive who won a six-and-a-half furlong maiden race at his only start on March 2nd, who's likely to be on or near the lead. And I think that's going to have an influence on the race because if that horse does as expected, then the other horses, such as Flashback and Golden Sense, won't be as eager early on. At least that's the idea going in. It's going to be very important for Golden Sense in particular to show some patience because he was an eager horse in, uh, in that uh, San Felipe Stakes. He was very close to the pace when he won the grade three sham. And he set the pace of the Delta Dell jackpot back in uh, November in Louisiana. So he's going to need to be a little bit more patient to show that he's a good horse for the mile and an eighth leading towards May 4th. Now, you alluded to Summer Exclusive, and I noticed that they're taking blinkers off. I know there's some jurisdictions that after you win a race, they don't allow you to make an equipment change. Do you know story behind that uh, through Peter Miller? I haven't spoken to Peter Miller about that decision, although that is declared uh, as an equipment change going in, so it's there for everyone to see. I think with the uh, blinkers off, he might relax a little bit himself. If he's going to have any chance to get a mile on an ATU, he, too, is going to have to show patience. They had considered the Bayshore Stakes at Aqueduct this weekend, and then they had considered the summer, they considered the Sandy to Derby in advance of that, thought about the Bayshore, and then switched back to the Sandy to Derby. So... You know, they, they've got a lot to prove themselves, and, I, and they're well aware of that going into this race. Well, uh, Doug O'Neill in here uh, has, has golden sense, uh, a horse that was looking uh, very hot until the, the, the San Felipe. And I believe I've read over this week that uh, he's trying to teach him. He's making efforts to slow him down. And then when I got the PPs this afternoon, I see that his last recorded work was a bullet. Uh, how, how do you slow this horse down? Yeah, that's interesting. That wasn't a particularly fast track day, a workout day that morning. This was last weekend. I happened to attend the workout, and he worked alone, and uh, he wasn't really urged to do a whole lot. So it, even though it was not a, a slow workout time, it wasn't te- terribly fast by California standards. For example, I think on that morning, Baffert did not, who always works his horses fast, 
did not have any six furlong workers. So in that regard, it wasn't uh, a very good uh, selection of, of comparative workouts uh, compared to, say, some of the days when there's might be more than just nine works at the distance, and some of them include, you know, rather horses from the Baffert stable who tend to work rather quickly. So, yeah, he did work a bullet, but he worked alone. He showed some patience. He finished up pretty well. So I think there's some good signs in between the lines there for the way that Golden Sense worked. Now it's going to be key for that to translate into the race. Now let me pick your brain on, on this one. I, I find it very rare to see a Bob Baffert coming into a graded stakes race with a horse that doesn't show a single bullet work. And the horse I'm talking about is a horse that was, I believe was the second favorite in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile last year, Power Broker. What have you heard about this horse? He's using Rafael Bayerano to ride him. There's, there's such a dangerous duo. What's the word on the backstretch about Power Broker? Rather favorable impressions for his recent workouts, notably the March 25th work and six furlongs from the gate 112. That was the second best time that morning, so he was pretty good that day. Uh, Baffert says he's got a pretty good foundation, that the horse is a router. He's proven that already with his win in the front runner stakes at Santa Anita back in in, uh, in September. Uh, I, you know, They talked a little bit about uh, running the horse during the winter time. He worked him a few times after the Breeders' Cup, and then he backed off of him. At the time, Baffert said he was having difficulty keeping weight on the horse. So maybe a little bit of age and a little bit of maturity has, has worked into the benefit of Power Broker, who must run a brilliant race on Saturday to be considered at all for the Triple Crown setup. All right, here. I just handed you $20. You're going to the window. Who do you like in Santa Anita Derby? Well, boy, I tell you, this race really uh, is slightly disappointing compared to what we had this morning. I really was anxious to bet on Here the Ghost because I wanted to oppose the favorite in flashback. Now I'm probably going to have to uh, coordinate my bets with a little bit more of, of a power broker in, in, in the mix, maybe in some exact as flashback, but I'm, I'm I'm a little discouraged by what's taken place with here at the Ghost because I really kind of thought that he ran a very, very nice race in the San Felipe, and I'm, I'm disappointed that he's not going to get a chance to race again this weekend and, and can either confirm that form or prove it wrong. So what's going to be key now is whether Flashback can win. He's going to be about 6-5 to five on the morning line. It's expected about the same price because there's going to be a lot of default money on him that might have gone in other directions. And, you know, that Baffert-Gomez combination is quite is quite a good team. So... You'll see a lot of win money on that, but I wouldn't dismiss the chances of Power Broker to hit the first three, particularly the first two in this race. So with that in mind, in light of the scratch of Here the Ghost, I might maybe put some exact money on him. I found it a little interesting as I was going over the PPs for some of the other races that uh, uh, Julian Le Peru uh, is taking off flashback and Garrett Gomez is put on. Yeah, that was a change that was made in response to the loss in the San Felipe slightly, uh, shortly after that race was run. Um, it was an interesting decision. I think it was a blow to, to Julian, who was anticipating having that horse all the way through to Kentucky, and uh, that didn't work out for him. But uh, uh, that's you know the nature of the time of year when, when such uh, you know uh, roster moves are made, I guess. And uh, so Flashback's got a new rider in Gomez, and this is the time to make the change. You want to make the change in a, in a situation where the, this new rider in Gomez has a chance to get to know the horse in a trial race, such as a Sandy Den Derby, even if it is worth three-quarters of a million dollars, in anticipation of, of, of being 100% ready for the Kentucky Derby. All right. Well, with that said, let's move on to the other big three-year-old race, uh, a race that many greats uh, have captured on their way to uh, Kentucky, and that is the Wood Memorial Grade 1. This race, too, going at a mile and an eighth. And, you know, 
everybody just keeps talking about Verrazano, 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 and I'm thinking, hey, does anybody realize that Bijak's undefeated too? <laughs> no, he is undefeated, and he's he's come up through the Aqueduct uh, inner track, so there's always going to be a little bit le- a level of skepticism of, you know, what's he been beating, who's he been facing, and is he really this good, or is he just a very good New York wintertime horse? Well, now it's time to prove it. Uh, you know, he did run very well going a mile in the 16th in the Great Three Gotham, and, uh, and certainly has moved yeah, onto the four of the, of the New York area list, and this is an important test for him. Thanks just to see also what Normandy Invasion can do. Yeah. I thought he ran a very decent fifth as the three to two favorite in the Grade Two Risen Star Stakes at Fairgrounds in his 2013 debut. Bit of a wide move, bit of a bit of a clumsy start, That's, and uh, with that long stretch there, he he came along to be uh, fifth, beating the length and a half. It was a bit of a bunched finish, maybe not the prettiest race you'll see all year. But uh, I trust uh, Chad Brown to, to build off that in the best way possible and try to get Normandy Invasion uh, ready for the tip-top effort in the, uh, in the Wood Memorial. You know, it, it's very easy to, to like, to like Verrazano off what he's done. You know, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't lost, of course. He's, he's gone up the ranks uh, quite quickly through the Gulfstream Park allowances and the Maiden and the Tampa Bay Derby, which almost looked like a time trial for him with a, a big win at 2-5 to five by three lengths. So, well done to him in all three of those races. But, you know, is he the sort of horse that can relax if the pace is quick? He was second by a length behind a, a little moderate pace on that sandy Tampa Bay track last time. Uh, but if he if he gets involved with a bit of a duel with, say, a horse such as uh, Chris and the Capper, who's drawn the rail, uh, or even the horse on the outside called Freedom Child, who, uh, who won a maiden uh, by five and a half lengths at uh, Gulfstream Park, you get into those two horses and... Uh, and uh, he's going to need to adjust his his uh, his running style, maybe just so slightly. But this is a good test for Verrazano. This, in in a way, is the sort of race. Well, well, heck, do you want to try to beat him? Maybe this is a day to try to beat him with a Normandy Invasion or or even a Vijack. And if and if he runs as well as he has in some of his Florida races, then you can sort of reconsider your your opinion of the horse as we get closer to the Kentucky Derby as well. Yeah, I mean the the other thing about Ver, from my view is watching him physically. He is a specimen, and I know that he's a January full, so in some cases he's a senior playing against sophomores uh, at, this, at this time of the year. He's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, he's the only horse that's recorded back-to-back 100-plus buyer figures. I really think that Saturday we're going to find out who he really is, and, and should, should he dominate this field, deservedly so, should be getting the, uh, the nod as the derby favorite. Yeah, very much so. I think he'd be a really short price favorite, uh, maybe even like a five to two favorite or so if he if he does what we think he could do in the in, in the Wood Memorial going towards the Derby. But as you know, in racing, there's no such thing as a sure thing. So uh, it, it, we're going to be treated to, to some really great races. Well, all right, we we, we took care of the boys segment. Uh, now let's let, let's move on to the girls, and we'll start on your home court there at Santa Anita. Uh, recently read your your story on Beholder, and, and quite frankly, I think this is going to be one heck of a weekend for Garrett Gomez. They very well could be, and. Uh... You know, the thing about Beholder is she won the Breeders' Cup, but then with Dreaming of Julia having won in, at Florida and Midnight Lucky winning in El Paso, Beholder isn't really being uh, getting as much attention as a champion might in some in some capacities. And that's a little bit of a byproduct of the Richard Mandela uh, situation where he doesn't seek a lot of attention, and he doesn't get a lot of attention like a Bob Baffert would or, or a prominent Eastern trainer such as a Todd Pletcher. He just goes about it, and if somebody comes to the barn and asks the question, it gets answered. Uh, you know, it's 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 certainly a situation where Beholder, if she runs back to the way she ran in the Lost Virgin Mistakes, 
in the first of March at Santa Anita. It's going to be awful tough to beat. I mean, she, she's game on the front. If you try to go with her, she'll just keep going away from you. Uh, she's done that very well in both the Breeders' Cup and the Lost Virgins. Now, granted, those are both at Santa Anita. But the Sandy Oaks at a mile and a 16th looks well within her reach. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how that pertains to the Kentucky Oaks when we see that line up and see how that race unfolds. But pertaining to this Santa Anita Oaks, this is, looks like it's going to be one of those situations where if somebody goes with them, with her, she's probably that filly's probably not going to be around at the wire. And, and the case in point can be made with 50 Shades of Hay, trained by Bob Baffert, who kind of chased chased Beholder just a little bit in in the Great One Lost Virgin, just got within a length of her in the first quarter mile, but then never really could could get on even terms and was beaten almost four lengths. Well, you know. But 50 Shades of Hay is Baffert's, one of Baffert's best three-year-old fillies this year. So she's obviously a, a horse who has merits, and she's back in this field again. But Baffert mentioned on uh, Wednesday Wednesday morning he was a bit scared of, of a Beholder. And interestingly, Mandela himself has, could speak more highly of the way Beholder's going, but he's more afraid of the stablemate. Spellbound is the one that could beat Beholder. You took Spellbound the words right out of my mouth, Steve. Uh, you look at this horse, by, uh, and Ramona this really just Raymond likes Farms it the longer their, it goes. Their partners. And she's making her stakes debut after a nice maiden win and a nice allowance race, both over a mile. So there's a lot of ability with that filly who's making uh, the stepping class uh, race by race and has an excellent chance, I think, to run well in the City Oaks, but probably not win. Well, we'll find out. She certainly has the credentials. She's from the Mandela Barn. She's a, a daughter of uh, Bernardini. Uh, she's got, you know, all, all, the, all the right moves. But, of course, she never can uh, discount uh, Bob Baffert in these big races this time of year. Well, uh, that's a look at the, at the Santa Anita Oaks. Uh, now let's take a look at another race that will definitely impact the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, but you can't get all the horses in the starting gate that want to run in the Grade 1 Central Bank Ashland at Keeneland. And uh, what I like about this race, Steve, is that uh, th- this race matches fillies who have, have kept their two-year-old form, and uh, so many of them have met each other last year and this year. You really get a chance to compare apples to apples in here, and it is really uh, surprising, I don't know if this has ever happened before, that the top three finish of last year's El Sabides at Keeneland are all back in the Ashland. And the winner of that race, Spring in the Air, really catches my eye. I, she was uh, part of a 1-2 finish in the OBS Championship Stakes in Central Florida for trainer Mark Cassie when he won with Spring Venture. And uh, that was a non-betting race that's uh, associated with that sale company, of course. And Spring in the Air, that was her first start since the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and she uh, had a bit, of a, a bit of a rough run to be fifth of eight behind Beholder. But her, her win in the Alcibiades back at Keeneland in October was a nice race. She came roaring from the back at four-to-one favorite to win by length over Broken Spell, who's part of this field, too, as you mentioned. And so I think that Spring in the Air will benefit from that recent race that she had down in Florida, even though she's still got to get by her stablemate, Spring Venture, among others. Uh, you could you really look at that uh, Nipissing that comes out of Florida unbeaten, I'm sorry, comes out of Canada uh, unbeaten last year, four for four, and uh, a couple of nice nice wins at a mile and a 16th for uh, trainer Rachel Halden. You know, nice nice style of running, the way she sits off the pace and made a big move through the stretch to beat uh, Ontario Brett. So there's, there's you know, good marks with her. Uh, you could obviously make a case for, for some of the other fillies in the field, uh, such as Broken Spell, who's had a bit of a bit of a t- uh, rough run at Oakland and Turfway so far this year. Uh, but what's wrong with a filly like Kitten's Point, a uh, Kitten's Joy filly trained by Graham Motion, who won the Here Comes the Bride Stakes on Turf at Gulfstream. And oftentimes we see that Gulfstream Park turf form 
does translate, I think, a little bit towards polytrack surfaces. So, you know, like you mentioned at the outset, this is a really wide open race. It's just plain fun. And I, I think spring in the air will have to be my narrow selection. But it, I, if somebody offered an alternative, I wouldn't argue with them. Well, you know, I, yeah, I think Mark Cassie comes into this race with a with a very very strong hand. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, the, the other uh, horse, uh, not the thing I'm going to call it, but uh, it's kind of interesting. The horse is undefeated on a synthetic track, four for four, gets Lasix for the first time. The only question I guess there is the layoff where there's horses in here that that have been out in uh, 2013. And I can tell you this from the times I go to Keeneland on on the poly track down there, boy, the Kitten's Joys just eat that up. So, therefore, uh, Kitten's Point and Kitten's Dumpling are are two fillies that uh, look to be on the improve, could jump up at any time, although they've been beaten by some of the horses in this field, um, that that are going to be dangerous. And with, with an absolutely full gate, there's going to be, uh, opportunity to to grab a nice trifecta or superfecta in here, but I, I really think Mark Cassie comes in holding a strong hand. I agree with you, and so does Graham Motion. He also runs the uh, Irish bred filly Tutu Payasi, who runs uh, from the rail, and she was a, a minor stakes winner in Italy, and she looks like she wants two turns as well. So I think she's going to be uh, she's going to be one to follow, and then uh, that that'll be kind of another one who could also hit the board for the exotic better who likes a trifecta or. or a, uh, or a, even a superfecta, although that sounds like a pretty good test to try to get a superfecta in that field. <laughs> well, Steve, while I have you, uh, my producer tells me I've got about uh, two minutes or so left. And uh, after you know watching the, the, the performances of Revolutionary and, and Orb, and of course we're going to know a lot more after we see the Santa Anita Derby in the wood. What, what are your impressions of this year's uh, three-year-olds? They're a solid group. You know, I think we kind of we kind of try to rank them a little early sometimes when we watch them unfold in March and April each year as to whether or not they've got any depth to their to their division or whether it's a good group or a bad group. And it takes a little bit of time. I think we really need to go all the way through the summer and into the fall before you can make a really a proper assessment. But at this point, I think it's a lot more wide open than just Verrazano's Kentucky Derby. You know, I did was very impressed with the way that Orb ran. He's, he's in the right hands with McGahee. I think that's the horse that's going to have a full chance on May 4th. I like him quite a bit. California horses, let's see how they perform tomorrow. Flashback in particular needs to prove something. Golden Sense truly needs to prove something on, on Saturday as well. Um, Normandy Invasion deserves merit. Uh, I'm anxious to see a little bit more from the Lucas runners, uh, such as Oxbow, uh, and see what he can do in the, in the Arkansas Derby next week. Uh, you know, we can expect a big field in the bluegrass, uh, including Java's War, who was uh, behind, uh, behind uh, Verrazano. And Very even, impressive. As obscure as it may seem, the the Irish Force lines of battle that won the UAE Derby at Maidan Racecourse in Dubai last weekend did so rather convincingly in its first start of 2013. And although Aidan O'Brien's Kentucky Derby record is nothing to look at with any confidence, the way this guy ran just makes me wonder if he takes another flight from one corner of the world to another, gets to Churchill in good form, keeps his weight, has a good workout, as the boys in the racing form rightfully mentioned in Friday's paper, can, can handle the, the journey, just kind of want to see how he draws and maybe consider him for a top-four selection. He'll certainly be the right kind of price. I think it's 30-1 to one or greater. All right. Well, hey, Steve, I knew you'd be a great interview, and you were. Thanks so much for, for being on Winning Ponies. appreciate your insight, and I had a great time talking to you tonight. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to catching up with you as the racing season continues, building towards uh, not only this Triple Crown, but also the Breeders' Cup in the, in the fall here in Southern California.
All right, we've been talking with Steve Anderson, another one of the great talented writers with the Daily Racing Forum, and sadly that concludes the winning pro winning ponies program uh, for this week. So again, you know, we, we took a look at the Central Back Ashland, the Santa Anita Oaks, the Wood Memorial, and the Santa Anita Derby. Hope we gave you some insight, and hope you can pull down some easy figs from the Winning Ponies website that'll put you in the winner's circle. I'm John Engelhart, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, if you take a loved one to the racetrack this weekend, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.